Welcome to What's the Word Downtown, a weekly podcast dedicated to mining the depths of the word, a word that's sharp and active in downtown Tyler, Texas. Join Eric, Matt, and Mike as we get the word out at Bethel. Hey, welcome back to What's the Word Downtown. My name is Matt. This is with Pastor Eric today, Bethel Bible Downtown, and we're excited to have you uh, listening in, hopefully, if you're out there, we're uh, discussing the latter part of Ephesians 6. Well, not the end. You're going to finish it this Sunday. But Lord we're really. looking at the portion that speaks of slaves and masters. And it was an excellent sermon Thank you. yesterday. Thank you, my brother. Let's talk through uh, what we're, where are we coming from, where are we going to, at what point in the conversation, if you will, uh, is Paul you know, wrapping things up? here. I mean, is he bringing things to a close? We are driving to the end of his letter to the church and the believers, the saints at Ephesus, as Paul is depositing sort of the ethical instruction, how to live now in view of God's goodness, grace, glory, and mercy. So what, now what? So sometimes we'll call it the ethical Mm -hmm. implications. So yesterday morning, we get to talk about the end of what's commonly referred to as the household code, where Paul has already given instruction about uh, husbands and wives, about parents and children, and then about slaves and masters. Those three relationship categories essentially make up the household, and the household was the the fundamental building block of Roman society. Mm -hmm. That was pretty much it. All of life happened essentially in the household, and so... Paul's going to write something that's very, very different than what was normatively understood and experienced Mm -hmm. by people in the Roman Empire. So to get to talk about that, and I will just say shameless plug for those who were not here with us yesterday, well, they should have been, Mm -hmm. because it was an amazing weekend of worship with Ryan and Sarah Delmore on Saturday night, and then they led worship with us on Sunday morning, and so... It was a rich time singing a familiar catalog of songs that are Mm -hmm. uniquely us, even though they're not. Mm -hmm. It feels that way. And so it was easy for me to get up and preach something that I cared about, getting to see the people that I care about worshiping in spirit and truth, Mm -hmm. discussing a potentially delicate topic, particularly given the last 18 months that we've gone through as a Mm -hmm. nation, just Volatile touch words like slavery mm-hmm. incite ideas of systemic racism and ethnic prejudice and all these things, which, praise be to God, was really not the issue that Paul was dealing with. And so as he's dealing with this ethical aspect of the household code, it's really about how do people who are filled with the Spirit live together, be together, and in so doing, manifest the gospel. Because that's really a bigger thing than trying to eliminate a systemic problem. That's a huge thing. But an even bigger, more transcendent thing is people being filled with the Spirit, living together relationally because of the worth of their Lord Jesus. Now, that was a mouthful. But Well, and you led us right to what I was going to, what I wanted to speak to today was the old kingdom mm-hmm. in which we still live. Correct. Is one that is mainly the the main and I believe chief characteristic of the old kingdom is what you alluded to yesterday. And that is the existence, seeming permanence, uh, permanent, permanence, permanent existence of power differentials. Yes. So how, 
to live in an old kingdom where power differentials, black, white, rich, poor, right, left, liberal, conservative, all those power differentials are constantly being telecast even on the news. I mean, everything that we get is driving us, even the social network, it talks about yeah. the power differentials that are being uh, highlighted, which is draw driving people to become not less, not more peaceful, but less like, wait, I've been, uh, I've been not intellectually honest. I shouldn't have as much peace. Things are what much worse than I thought. It's, it's the, 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 the driving narrative of our day is, is this is just so unjust because there are all these power differentials that exist even between men and women. Right. And so at what point now does this Ephesians teaching from Paul breathe new life into an old kingdom that seemingly saturates us. There's a lot of reasons I'm a Christian. Yeah. But this is one of them. It's because I can say with what might sound like arrogance, I don't intend for it to, we have the answer. We literally have the one and only answer for the obliteration of the power differentials, plural, that exist in our world. It's the gospel. Is it the obliteration of power differentials or is it the peace to coexist in an old kingdom until he returns and delivers us from it. Functionally, there's no difference. Because oh, a power that's a differential okay. exists that I have dominance over you in some way. Or I perceive that you might take advantage of me in some way, but what the gospel comes and does, it says, look who God is, who has the ultimate power differential. Mm. He's sovereign and sinless. He is holy, righteous, pure, and just. <clears throat> and yet he comes to the undeserving rebel and says, I'm going to go lower than you. Mm. And I'm going to raise you up higher than you could have ever achieved. And all these attempts at social programming and economic procedure that are going to eliminate these differentials will all ultimately fall short because they do not address the thing under the thing, which is sin. The gospel does. And so when I say obliterate, I mean obliterate. Because the gospel is the only thing that can deal with the sin problem. And the problem is the sin problem. Everything always comes back to that acorn mm -hmm. of sin. And until we deal with sin, and we can't, that's the whole thing. Mm -hmm. We can't. Every protest in the street, mm -hmm. every ride around the mm -hmm. corner, every shaking of a fist is in some way saying, I recognize there's a problem. What I'm going to do about it is shake my right hand in mm -hmm. strength, anger, and fervor, which always creates the, more problem. The only answer to sin is Jesus. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And I know that sounds exclusivistic. Take it up with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I didn't make this stuff up and no one else did either. It was his plan to actually go lower than low to raise us up higher than high. It's offensive to many, but he is the obliterator of the power differential, which really is the only thing that brings peace. So when I say functionally and practically and in reality, that's what we get to live in now is again, being filled with the Spirit most practically, fundamentally, looks like a bunch of people who are willingly, with joy, to not get their way. And if I'm in a, if I'm in a, a dynamic, relational dynamic, say it's my boss, that just doesn't always treat me with respect. Maybe my boss uh, talks down on me. Maybe there's passive-aggressive remarks that are being made. Maybe I'm just constantly feeling like I'm being put in my place. Uh, I am functionally living out uh, a tethering to a 
old kingdom yeah. that only Christ can deliver me through without sinning <laughs> or without, you know what I mean, making it worse. Absolutely. You know? And that's not hypothetical. There are clearly millions and millions and millions of people who live in that sort of employment context. Where thorns and, and thistles abound. Absolutely. And there are people all over the world who are literally still in slavery and bondage, which is an atrocity and a horror. So I don't want to minimize that at all. Sure. And even in the midst of that, it is possible to still have joy, to still have worth and esteem, because we reset our expectations to the worth and worthiness of Jesus. Mm. Our ultimate expectation is not our finite pleasure and happiness. Mm. We understand that, yes, in this life, we will have trouble. There will be travail, turmoil, and trial. But we are in the one who has overcome the world. Mm-hmm. And so it it does have sadness and grief and pain and sorrow. Yes. But the refrain of the New Testament is, that's okay. Mm-hmm. doesn't trivialize. It doesn't say that it doesn't exist. It just says, that's okay. So, and we've talked about this, and I'll get into it a little bit, but you said you got to stop saying Jesus is on the cross. <laughs> Jesus is still on the cross. So when we talk about overcoming the world, he overcomes the world through the power of his blood, through his shed blood on the cross. Now, we know he doesn't still, that, that is a static moment in time that he submitted himself to. And those who are looking for comfort in their valley of the shadow of death, what is their rod? How, why should they fear no evil? What is, their, how does, how, what is the rod and staff that comforts the slave who feels oppressed? Yeah, Paul talks about it a lot in Ephesians, in Romans at length. Vengeance is not ours. We will all be mistreated in this life. We will all be treated unfairly. And we've also been treated unfairly in the giving of the gospel. Mm-hmm. We have forget sometimes that we are utterly unworthy, unmerited recipients of the grace that is the gospel. And, yes, of course, in life we will be mistreated, we will be abused, we will be... Uh, Treated with indifference, which is in a lot of times even worse than being abused physically, is being ignored or marginalized. All of those things will happen. So what we trust is that there is God, that he is sovereign, and there is nothing that escapes his gaze and his attention. Nothing. And all of the things that are done wrong to us, yes, we look to the cross. Every error, every injustice, every wound and transgression against us has been nailed to the cross of Christ. Mm -hmm. It literally is finished. And we trust that. And we trust that. Even the things that we've done to other people, we trust that. And so then bringing it back to Ephesians 6 here, when Paul talks about slaves and masters, the question has always been, but then why didn't Jesus and or Paul just eliminate the whole system of of slavery? Because Christ was and is and will be most interested in planting the kingdom in human hearts, not establishing a governmental regime in the here and now. It's from the inside out, not the outside in. It's organic growth, not mechanical. Correct. Because a governmental regime established on people would not actually transform human hearts. Harden them. It will harden them. When we yeah. see that, when you read Revelation, that actually causes... Where the causes, law abounds, the trespass increases. Exactly correct. And so because of grace, Paul 
net of Jesus and his teaching are giving the gospel. People are being transformed in a context in which they otherwise would not have been. Now, there will come an imposition of the government being on his shoulders, and he will literally and legally and logistically reign in the world. But until such time, man, the gospel is transforming even people who are in the rich man position. Well, that's what I was just going to say, is that he's, he's, he's transformed the dynamic by saying, you know, you could win, you could win a nasty slave owner right. over to Christ by being by suffering redemptively under his powerful hand. That's right. That's exactly right. Which was remarkable. People would say, but it's not for them. But and, it is. And the and up and out is just as out as the down and out. And in a, yeah, and in a like in a like manner, uh, you know, you could win a a, a belligerent, angry, victimized uh, slave. Uh, to a redemptive uh, position through kind, loving leadership. So this is, I'm glad you said that. Yeah. This is the book of Philemon, mm -hmm. often neglected mm -hmm. in our New Testament. Didn't mention it yesterday, yeah. ran out of time. But you have Ephesians and Colossians, which are essentially mm -hmm. sister mm -hmm. epistles. Mm -hmm. And then Philemon, mm -hmm. written to a guy named Philemon who was a master, mm -hmm. who was in the city of Colossae, who was the host of the house church that met in Colossae. Philemon's the elder, mm -hmm. the host of this house church. And Onesimus, whose name means useful, Paul says, was useless. Mm -hmm. He was belligerent. He was a rebel, a renegade. He ran away. Mm -hmm. And yet Paul encounters him somehow, wins him to Christ. Paul says, I treasure him as my own heart. He is now useful. He was useless. Now he's useful. His name means useful. Paul says, I want to send him back to you, Philemon, who were lost. You yeah. were lost up and out, Philemon, yeah. but I won you to Christ. And Philemon, I want you to understand that Onesimus is now not useless and a slave. He is a brother. He transformed not just Onesimus's eternal identity, but transformed that relationship. Relationship. Yeah. Onesimus and Philemon are now brothers, siblings yeah. in the Savior, which is what the gospel can do. Obliterating the system of slavery in the Roman Empire would not have accomplished that. Another analogy comes to mind. Megan and I watch Poldark. Oh. Did you ever see Poldark? Officially? Well, no. It's a, it's BBC. <laughs> it's BBC. It's masterpiece theater. But Ross Poldark is an enterprising young man, uh, and he falls in love with his scullery maid, mm -hmm. and he, they end up marrying. But what happens is, is even though he loves her. There's a power differential mm -hmm. that, that that enters into the marriage sure. where she does not feel that she has a voice mm -hmm. unless he grants her a voice. Right. And he has to woo her. He has to woo the bride to believe wow. that she is not beneath him, but that she is loved, loved, cherished. And, and, and the whole, mm. the whole story is very impactful, very touching at, in, in, in our, even our day and age. And it had me thinking through my own marriage and where those power differentials exist on both ends and how do we how do we love and suffer redemptively mm. because both both they come at a cost and um, th this is this is beautiful all masters treat your slaves in the same way do not threaten them since you know uh, that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no favorite with him. There it is. There's the obliteration of the power differential. Mm -hmm. Masters, in an old kingdom, mm -hmm. in a dominance-based culture and custom, you have the right to abuse and to victimize, but the gospel removes that because of a greater identity. 
you have the position and the power and the authority and the right to do these things, but there's a hyper authority. There's a super No, be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You have the mind of Christ that informs you of a new kingdom ethic while you're still stuck, as it were, in an old kingdom. So Christ bursts through when we acknowledge him in our in, in our boots on the ground efforts to just walk forward in a in a kingdom that oftentimes is oppositional to us in very obvious ways and hurtful ways. Right. And so this is about as practical and immediate as it can get. I mean, we've all got situations with our our, our jobs, our vocation, our employment, whatever. But all these relationships oftentimes are where we experience pain yeah. and suffering and wound. And so there's a tendency to escape from and withdraw from, and rather than enter into these potentially wounding relationships, we pull back and we experience isolation, Mm -hmm. and we waste our time, where earlier in Ephesians, Paul's already said, no, 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 redeem the time. Redeem the time. Make the most of, buy it back from wastefulness, and that means enter in, and when you enter in, don't enter in expecting to be revered and esteemed. No, you enter in and you go low. Listen to this. I'll tell you just to speak yesterday about Delmore and about what oh. he said. When he said, do you remember holy and anointed mm-hmm. one? So the guy that wrote that is John Barnett okay. and he lives in Montana. And apparently he's a crusty old guy, right? Awesome. He says, it, he, when's he coming to Tyler? Yeah, Sarah, Sarah and Michelle, uh, Sarah and Ryan Delmore told me, uh, if you ask this guy about, you know, what is discipleship? He's like, read the Bible, do what it says. Like, it's not what you would think holy and anointed one would come from. He digs ditches. Wow. And the the, the thing that came to me through Ryan f- was that God gives you songs in the ditches. That's exactly right. You know, and Ryan could only come here two days because he can't take work off working at the pizzeria. He's just slinging dough, yeah. but then he's worshiping on Sunday. And he's, and I know what it is to have these songs in your head while you work on something else. Sure. And the idea that God gives you songs in the ditches is extremely comforting. Well, it, and that's it. So you know, when Ryan Dillmore is slinging dough, yeah. that is worship. Mm-hmm. We talked about it yesterday mm-hmm. a little bit, but this is when our work mm-hmm. is... Our vocation is our calling. Mm-hmm. Those are opportunities to be mindful of the presence of God, to consider, to contemplate the things that are true, mm-hmm. the things that are sweet and lovely, the mm-hmm. things that make us feel more, I don't know, uh, impassioned about yeah. Jesus yeah. while we're doing the thing, while we're doing the toil. Uh-huh. It's a part of the original plan from Genesis 1 and 2 that we get to be a part of the identification Mm -hmm. of a broken old world, old kingdom construct. Our calling is to be about what Adam should have always been about, Mm -hmm. the making it perfecter and perfecter. Even though it's still broken, Mm -hmm. there will come a day. And we're never not going to work for all eternity. We're always going to be productive and involved, and it's a great thing. Well, and the sense is is that uh, being... A bondservant of Christ is a better and truer title than a slave to sin. Oh, man. It's life. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I've always, he doesn't say you're either a slave to Christ or a slave to sin. He says you're either a slave to sin or a bondservant to Christ. Right. And that is a tremendously different identity and one in which uh, we have been gifted without end. Right.
So, and there's the the good yeah. news of the gospel is that this Jesus, who is our master, man, he's good. Well, all the way, amen. all the time, he's good. And so, there's amen. freedom, and there's joy, and there's yeah. fear and trembling, yes. which is again awestruck wonder and joy because he's worth that. That's it. Yeah. 10 a.m. this Sunday morning, we'll finish Ephesians. Can't wait to see you there, guys. Thanks, Pastor. God bless. Thanks. Bye now.